Thank you very much. You can take your seats. Kia ora mai tātou. E te ānau me ngā manu iri. Kwa tau mai nei ki tēnei ware kariki o te atua nei. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā nō tātou katoa. Man, what a, what, a, what a privilege it is to be here this morning with you guys again. Paul and Ruth, we love you guys. We're just so um, blessed to just know you as friends, but also as pastors doing an amazing work here in, in, in the far north. <coughs> um, and of course, Reuben and Harmony. Man, thank you guys. Where are you? Thank you for, your, for leading us in worship this morning. Just, I just think you need to appreciate your worship pastors because of... Let's just say I needed that this morning. I needed that this morning. It's like the saxophone is like an automatic cry machine, you know? He blows it. Brilliant. Um, Ruth said it this morning, we do live in a blessed land. Um, so many churches around the world, and we are in touch with many, many, many churches around the world who are just, who cannot meet together. And so they're still just meeting online or trying to, trying to worship online still, and we get to be together. And we need community. We need this atmosphere, and sometimes look, we're on holiday now because you know, when you go on holiday and you're exhausted, and you just need someone else to lead you in worship. And so this morning was just amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Um, so the theme of, of that we're going through is dream again, um, which I'm I'm excited to preach about because I think I think God has put something on my heart for you guys. To dream again implies that we stop dreaming. To dream again implies that we have stopped dreaming. And we usually stop dreaming because we lose hope. <laughs> there are a lot of people around the world who are losing hope now. You know, we went through one lockdown and then we had like uh, some time we were, we were back again. We thought, ah, cool, that was quick. And then we went into another one. And we saw people like, no, don't let me go into that again. People lost hope. They had enough just to get through the first one, but to go into the second one was like, you could see it. I, when we made the announcement at church that, oh, we're going back into lockdown, three people around us burst into tears because they couldn't handle the idea of going back into that same situation. The anxiety, the depression, the, 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 just those feelings of, ah, the isolation, all of that. And believe it or not, there are people who have never come out of lockdown around the world. 10, 12 months now, they, they get it, they've been in lockdown this whole time, and, they're just, and we're in touch with them, and we see them just trying to fight their way through. Can we remain hopeful? Can we remain positive during this whole time? When is the time where they are going to dream again? Well, the Bible talks about three things, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. For us to dream again, we need that hope, but we can't have hope unless we know the love of God. A lot of us have been through grief lately. We've just been through a week of grief and a funeral that we had to work through. I know that you guys have experienced the same thing twice, at least. You're working through grief. And I remember, I remember looking at these particularly young people at the Tangi trying to figure out, trying to grapple with this question, where is God in the midst of all this stuff? Hey, it's amazing, really, when you think about it, because it happens every day. Hey, Māori, we're not, we're not strangers to death. We see it all the time, and yet when it happens to someone close to us, there are always people who are suddenly shocked, awake from their day-to-day -day living to, to, re, to be reminded that this is very, 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 very temporary. And one day, it's going to happen to us all, and all of a sudden, we're faced with this question, where is God in this ridiculous thing called death? When God created us, He didn't create us to die. 
That's why it messes us up. We're actually allowed to not like it. You know? We're allowed to not like it. We're allowed to, to, this is not the way we were designed. So for us to understand it, the, the reason there is no sting in it for us as Christians is because we know the love of God and we have hope in an eternity with Him. You get it? Because we know the love of, when you know the love of God, when you know that you know His character, you understand Him, you can have hope in His character. Once you've got hope in His character, you can then have faith to believe what He promises. Then you can start to dream again. You've got to know the love of God so that you can know the hope. You can have hope in His character so that you can then have faith to believe what He's promising you. You can have faith to believe what He's taking you through. You can have faith in Him. There's a, there's a, um, the, the scripture that I, that I really love is this James 1, verse 2 to 4, which says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I remember reading that and hating that verse. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't consider it joy. It's, like, it's one thing to, like, to like be, get through it. Oh, yeah, no, okay, these are trials, but I can get through it. You know, you grin and bear it. But he didn't say grin and bear it. He says, consider it pure joy. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> one part of me wants to say, stuff that for a laugh. But the other part says, wait, well, what do you mean by that? Because, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let, let perseverance, listen to the way it says this, let perseverance finish its work. Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And you think, okay, now, now I'm starting to get it. He's saying, it's not the trials that give you joy. It's what the trials produce in you that you should be joyful for. Perseverance. And once perseverance finishes its work, you may be not just mature, but mature and complete. But then it goes one extra step. Not just mature and complete. It says not lacking anything. Man, there's only one dude around that I know that is mature and complete and not lacking anything, and that's Jesus. What he's saying is trials will produce the perseverance in you so that once it's finished at work, it will make you like Jesus. Once you start getting that kind of hope and that kind of faith, then you realize, okay, for that reason I can be joyful. Now, joy is not just happiness. You know, we kind of think of, there's a joyful song in my heart, you know, that type of joy. Actually, joy is deep. There's a deep joy that can run through your whole life, regardless of what happens on the surface. That, that doesn't have to look like happy, happy, joy, joy. <clears throat> so we do all this stuff by faith. Once you've got faith, I mean, everything you do in the Christian life, you realize you do by faith. You're saved by faith. You're saved because you believe. You work by faith. Everything you do, you serve in church by faith. You, you do it for God. If you do fasting, you, you do it for God. That's why this, this thing of whatever you do for God in faith, he accepts it as currency. He accepts it as a beautiful gift. So that's, that's why somebody can't say to somebody else, hey, you should fast this or you should do it that way. Because whatever you do, you do it by faith. That whole, that whole um, argument that Paul used about 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 um, fasting and meat. 
but eating meat offered to idols. He was going, hey, man, if it's good for you and you do it by faith, then cool. You know, but you can't tell somebody else how to do it. Because if you're doing it by faith and they're doing it by faith, if, they're, if you're eating meat and they're by faith and you're cool and they're not eating meat by faith, then to God it's the same thing. Cool, right? Everything we do is by faith. Once we get, it, once we get faith that, per, that perseveres, then it can really see us through everything we face in life. I'm going to start with the story by, um, a lot of you guys might know this fella in a, in a church called Bethel Church named Chris Vallotton. Chris Vallotton um, is a, like an amazing prophetic voice, but he's also an incredible teacher. He runs this, the school of, what's it called, Bethel Sup- School of Supernatural, BSS they call it. <clears throat> um, yeah, over in California there, and he's just, this, this incredible ministry around the world. But I heard a story the other day and, and, and thought, oh man, that's, that, that can teach us something. Um, he, he, went, he was in California, he was in a big city, and then suffered a nervous breakdown. He, just, he said he was, like in, he was working as a, like a mechanic, and just, life just got too much to him, and so he suffered this nervous breakdown. And in order to get away from it all, he, just, he and his wife decided, hey, we've got, to, um, we've, we've got to move to a smaller town. So they moved out of the big city, and they went to this small little place called Weaverville, in the middle of nowhere, and went to a, a small little church there and met this, the hippie pastor named Bill Johnson, who now runs Bethel Church. And that was when they started. So this amazing ministry between Chris Vallotton, the prophet, Bill Johnson, the pastor, was, began in the middle of this nervous breakdown. And you think, oh, okay, this ministry was birthed out of this time that was actually not a good time. It wasn't like this full-on abundance revelation time. It was actually in a hard time. A really, really, really hard time. So it took three years of recovering from this nervous breakdown. Depression, stress, figuring out how to recover from this breakdown that, has, that, it was, that this ministry was birthed and grown and developed. <laughs> he says, okay, he's there in this, in this place. He's driving past this, um, this automotive place, like, um, like a gas station type thing with mechanics and stuff. Um, and God says to him, he's got quite a keen prophetic voice. God says to him, I want you to buy this business. He says, he's speaking to God and saying, no, there's too much stress. I've already come from a nervous breakdown. I'm not going to get back into, I'm not going to get into business. No way, no way. So he actually says, no. The guy that's driving with him, without saying anything, says, man, I I feel like God needs you to buy that business. (laughs) Right? He says, he says to the guy, shut up, no. Look, I'm, I'm not going to buy the business. I, I hate it. I, I, I've had no, too much stress in my life as it is. I'm not going to add more stress. So he, so he goes away. The next day, the owner of the business, who he doesn't even know, who's not a Christian, calls him up and says, I'm going to sell my business, and I just feel like you need to buy it. <laughs> right? So he takes that as a bit of a sign, clearly, and, and says, all right, God, you really want me to get this business? I will. But, man, you know I don't want to because the stress, the last thing I need is more stress, so you better be with me in this. But then he says, but I've got no money, so there. <laughs> so he says, well, how am I, if, if you give me the money for this, then, then I'll know, I'll really know. He says the only, the only person he could 
because uh, they, they had real financial problems as it was, the only person that he could think of that might lend him the money to get this business was his grandmother. And he says, no, grandmother does not lend money to anybody. So that, that was like a good out for him. He goes, no, there's no way. There's no way grandmom's going to lend me this money. So he went to his grandmother, said, you know, explain the situation. She said, no, I will not lend you the money. I will give it to you. So she gave him the money. He, he said, okay, this is clearly you, God. God said, yes, buy this business and I will bless you. That was his word, right? It was a prophetic word, right? Three years later, he's sitting in his lounge in his home and this, money has, and this business has made no money. Answer that. And he's there crying out to God going, what the heck? You gave me a solid word. I said no, you said yes. I said no, you, you told that guy next to me. To say, I said no, the guy rang me. I said no, but the, I said the money. Then you gave me the money miraculously. You told me, you gave me a prophetic word that you would bless me if I bought this business. And now this business is not blessed. It's made no money. These are the tough questions, right? Yeah. These are, I bet all of us have gone to God saying, you said, and it hasn't happened yet. How many of us have had those real questions? You know what God said to him? God said, I would bless you. You assumed it would come through the business. But while I was, you were expecting me to bless the business, or you were expecting me to build the business. While you were building the business, I blessed you by building the man. <laughs> hey, awesome. Well, that doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> He was blessed because he had to persevere through this journey. And the, the growing of his faith because of it. The dependency you have on God. Sometimes it's just no shortcut. The, the word persevere implies that there's no shortcut. You've just got to persevere. You've just got to get to the end. You ever started a job and you thought, man, this is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. And just to get to the finish line, man, there's no other way around this. I'm just going to have to start and just keep on going until it's done. Yeah. That kind of feeling. I remember starting, we, I had a part-time part job years ago doing driveways, asphalt and driveways. And my first day, I remember um, backing the truck up and, and the guys were showing me what to do. And they said, okay, you take a shovel and then you spread it out like that. And I went, okay, cool, spread it out. And, we, and it took us, I don't know, 25 minutes to kind of get up. This, quite a long driveway and spread this stuff out and I got to the end I was like whew yeah man that was a bit of a workout oh well, where's the next job he goes no 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 that was just this, the tack coat <laughs> that was just the coat that you know that you put down to the it sticks to it that was like the glue that you put down now the real work starts and then we've got to had to do it one shovel at a time you know, lay it all out and then roll it all out and smooth it. And, I, and it took us, you know, hours then. And I, I remember looking at this driveway thinking, to hell with this. <laughs> Excuse the language. I'm just getting real, right? We're in the, we're in the north now. So, <laughs> and, and, but it, you know, I had to persevere during that first day, but of course, the more you did it, the more used to it you got, and all of a sudden, you grew. All of a sudden, these were like strong as, that was a long time ago. 
Still got it. Okay, so, so Chris Valaton is, is sitting in this um, home. The business hadn't, hadn't gone. Fortunately, he had taken on other businesses and they had kind of helped him survive. Bill Johnson came to him and said, I'm going to go and plant a church in Redding, California. I'm going to call it Bethel. And I want you to come with me and start a school, supernatural school. So a oh, school is the supernatural. So then he, he, he said, listen, okay, I want to come with you. He's all, during that time, of course, working through all that stuff and all the stress, he had grown. His prophetic giftings had grown. His spiritual giftings had grown. And that's the point. Okay, so now this new ministry was about to birth through nervous breakdown, through financial stress, through a failed business, all of that. Who would have thought? Right? Well, we don't know. All we see is the end product today. We don't know the backstory. Okay, so then, um, well, there's a little challenge right there. What's God doing in your life? Hey, what's going to come out of your life? What ministry is going to come out of your life that people don't know the backstory? Okay, but just because you persevered. Okay, so then he says, all right, I'm going to come with you, Bill. I'm going to do this. If I sell all the businesses I've got, I will be able to have enough money to be able to kind of survive for a year or so, uh, so that then we can, the school can start paying. The school still can start making money and they can pay me a salary. I can do it. So we took the big faith step, sold all his businesses. When he did, he sold it to kind of one big conglomerate who, for $250,000. And said, okay, I've got 250 grand in the bank. That's going to see me through you know, a year, maybe two years, and the house and, and get what we need to be able to survive until the school can start paying. Cool? Okay, so he does that and he gets there. Now, you know, with business and escrow and all kinds of stuff, all, the transaction hadn't really completed until like it was six months into it. So six months into it, they're still there. And then the, the place that he sold all his businesses to went bankrupt. So now instead of having 250k in the bank, he was now 1.8 million dollars in debt. US. 1.8 million dollars in debt. Now he's starting a ministry. He's six months into the school, and he's 1.8 million dollars in debt. You know what? You know what people when people start to when you've got that amount of debt, people look at you sideways, thinking, "What sin is in your life?" Right? We've been in debt, and I remember feeling guilty as. This, is, this thinking, this is just not God honoring. And it was nowhere near that much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when, when things like that, when your finances are not in order, you, people start thinking, well, look, your life is clearly not in order. You know? And here's this guy who is running this ministry, and I'm sure people were looking at him sideways. Really, man, something's going wrong in his life. I mean, imagine walking through that shame. And you're the leader of this ministry. Walking through the guilt of it, trying to figure it out. Questions, God, what are you going to do? He says to the elder, he went to the elders and said, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to pay this debt off now. There's no way. If I work now, it'll take me 12 lifetimes to work it off. So, he, so he, 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 that's what he did. He went to the elders and said, I've got to, I've got to go. One of the elders, Bill, Bill Johnson's, Benny Johnson's father, actually, stood up and said, hey, before you like, go into bankruptcy or, or start to work it out, just give us six months. Don't leave yet. Give us six months. He said, um, I don't have the faith for that. This is this man that's worked through all this stuff. 
you know, building his faith. And he says, he, he said, I, I was shocked to hear the words come out of my mouth. I don't have the faith for that. And so the elder said, uh, well, trust my faith. We need community, man. Man, we need community. Hey. He said, trust my faith. <clears throat> so, so they started praying. Three months into it, three months into the six-month kind of deadline, uh, he said $900,000 of his debt was forgiven and paid off. Right? So it was, that was like a miracle. Oh, cool, cool. But if you think about it, that still leaves $900,000. And I'm like, you might as well be $10 because I've still got no money and $900,000. Okay, here's the cool thing. The other 900000 was also forgiven, but it took three years. Which is the greater miracle? Three, three months or three years? You know, it's still, it's, is it any less of a miracle just because it took longer? Which period did his faith grow more in? You've got to persevere. You, you can't have the faith if you don't go through anything. We want to be faithful people. We want to grow in our faith. We pray, Lord, grow me in my faith. But then we, we get surprised when trials come our way. If we, if we, you know, and, and in the middle of it, we lose hope and we, we lose our dreams because we've given up hope because we, we no longer have faith because we've stopped persevering. And there's got to be this, this point where we say, no, Lord, I've, I've come this far. And this is, this is funny because you, you get over it. Like We've been in ministry for 30 plus years. And it's like once I got past like the age of 40, I thought, well, we've invested so much now. It's too late to give up now, you know. We've, we've kind of put too much into it now. We might as well keep going. Um, we, and we've lived our whole lives on, um, f- by faith. We left high school and went into ministry, full-time ministry. So we've never really had a you know, full-time job as such, paying job. There was a, sh- there was a short period that I was working for Parachute Music, and I, I, th- there was no less worry when it came to finances in there. You know, so we've lived our, our whole lives by faith, trusting in God to provide for us. People would prophesy over us. They would give us all kinds of words. There'd be lots of, com- there'd be lots of comfort. There'd be comforting words and prophetic words. God has never let us down. I can say that for sure, right? But not one single one of those years was stress-free. I never got to the end of the year going, yay, we made budget. There was always so much prayer, so much stress. Every year it seemed like God had another lesson to teach us about finances. Anybody relate? Right? You go to God and you go, please God, this time. You know, and he would say, no, no. And this is, this is the answers that he would give us. Like, you need to work more. Uh, one year it was, no, no, you need to work less and pray more. One year it was, you need to reach out and, and, and ask for help. One year it was, no, you need to be more entrepreneurial. You know, one year, it was, you know, there's always another lesson, always another thing. No, you need to give more. You need to learn to tithe more. You need to, all this stuff, no, learn to budget more. Every year was another reason. I just, I remember crying out to God. One year, I got to the point where I just lost it. I was believing and believing and believing and believing. And then one day, I just lost it and I let it go. You know, there, there may have been some swearing. <laughs> and the next day, we had this big, huge provision. I was like, I was like, God, you couldn't have just kind of brought it forward one day. 
so I didn't have to look like an idiot. You know what I'm saying? It's just sometimes, yeah, swearing was not the answer. That was not the key that unlocked the door. <laughs> just, to, just to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. The point was, we, we got to this point in life, and I can testify now, God has come through with answers for us that, um, that are, are lifelong answers. Prayers that we prayed 30 years ago that he's now answering today. And, and if I'd given up at year 10, or year 15, or year 20, year 25, year 30, if I'd given up last year, I wouldn't have seen the answers and the miraculous provisions that he's given us in year 31. You know what I'm saying? And there's just no answer, there's just no shortcut to just persevering persevering. I've just got to get through. I've got to make it to the end and keep on believing. We want to say, how do we grow in faith? My answer is just don't give up. Just don't stop believing. Man, um, for for those that have struggled with long-term wrestles, just hold on. Just hold on. If, if, If everything God has planned for you happened now, who would get the glory? Without even realizing it, we would take the glory for it. And we know that because it's the same thing that blames God for when things go wrong. The same thinking. If, if, we, if we blame God for when things go wrong, we, that shows a lack of faith in God's character. Well, if, if you do that now, you'll, you, that's the same thinking that was said, when things go right, you'll take the glory for it. Man, I did great. Look at, look, at my, look at my brains. Look at my skill. Look at what I did with my business. Look at how, I, how cool I was. And, and God, maybe you'd say God blessed it, but actually you, you would take the glory for it. We believe we grow faith by believing God for something, and then he does it, and then our faith grows. Let me say that again. We believe we grow faith by we believe God for something, and then he does it, and then we think our faith grows. But I think our faith grows more when the prayers are not answered. Because we have to keep on believing. <laughs> Sometimes we grow, grow in faith by miracles, but most of it is just by enduring crap times. That um, famous verse in Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a real coffee mug saying, you know, real, real, it's that coffee mug verse. I can do all things by Christ who strengthens me. It gets that I'm going to do this big thing, you know, no matter what he, he asked me to do, I'm going to have the strength to do it. But actually, when you, when, you, when you break it down to the original Hebrew, it just says, I have strength for all things. Why? Because Jesus. I have strength for all. And most of the time, we can just hold on to that just to say, just get me through this. If I can just hold on to Jesus, then I can make it through. Continuing to have faith when the prayers are not answered. And I I refuse to hold God ransom to one unanswered prayer when he's answered so many before. And that's the thing that a lot of us forget to do. We kind of forget. We have spiritual amnesia. He answers 99 of our prayers, and then the one prayer he doesn't answer because he's growing our faith, we then, we then hold him to ransom on it. God, you haven't answered this prayer, and we lose our faith when he's saying, just look behind you, see what I've done. And we need to remind ourselves. 
we're just impatient. And so we've really got to get an idea of God's bigger picture if we're going to grow in faith and grow in hope and learn to dream again. So, um, there's there's another verse in Hebrews that that I really like. There's a whole passage in Hebrews, actually, and it kind of says this. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Um, I know a lot, of, a lot of the trials we go through is God really just helping us get rid of every wound that's pierced us and sin that we so easily fall into. Uh, that's the stuff that holds us back. And we've, we get this idea that, oh, man, if I can just deal with this stuff, then God will bless me. But actually, he says, no, 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 I'm going to bless you anyway. But, and I'm going to take responsibility for helping you get through these wounds that have pierced us and the sin that's taken over us. And then we will be able to run, this is what it goes on to say, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. Then we can dream again. Like these things, those things that are pierced us, that we're working through, the grief that we're working through, the unanswered questions, um, these are just distractions. They distract us spiritually, they distract us emotionally, they distract us physically, unless we have the peace, the wholeness, the holiness of God in these areas, we're going to be drained. Man, I, and I just, I, I see it all the time. I feel it often. That feeling of I'm just drained emotionally and I'm drained spiritually unless I have that peace. That kind of peace doesn't, doesn't happen like religiously. You don't, you, don't, you don't find the peace of God if you have a religious belief in God. You can't worship God at a distance. You can't just open the Bible at a distance. Just come to church but not actually interact. It's amazing having a worship time like this and just soaking it in. Being created creating this atmosphere and then just being able to let go and let the presence of God just soak in. I, I, had, to, I had to make a sacrifice to, to enter into that place. My sacrifice was a sacrifice of praise. At one point, I, you know, I sang out believing, no, God, I need you. And so I need this place. And I need this atmosphere, but I needed them to help me. And so when, when, when he, when they created an atmosphere and I reached out to God in faith, at one point all I could do was lift my hand because I couldn't sing. When I tried to sing, what a beautiful... That's what happened. You understand me? There's got to be a, a time where you just let it, you invest yourself emotionally in God and then He will come with His real peace and His real presence. And that's what we're crying out for. In the midst of a hard time, we're not after theology. We're after presence. When you go to, when you go to your loved one or you go to someone for comfort, you don't want them to speak to you. You just want them to hold you. Oh, man, i got to say that again. When you're going through a difficult time and you go to someone for comfort, sure, they can get it. No, things are going to be okay. But when they put their arms around you, you feel a tangible comfort. And that's what God wants. For you to be able to dream again, you, know, you need to know the comfort of God. You need to know that He's a parent that loves you. Let me finish on this story. Um, we, were, we were 
when Josh was, my kids were young, and Josh was only, I don't know, maybe nine or ten years old, he, um, we, were, we were chopping firewood. He had never done it before, right? So both the kids actually, and so I, we got all this wood, and I was, you know, pulled it, I borrowed an axe, you know, because we didn't have one at the time, and I went, okay, let's go, and I started chopping these logs, and you know, it's really satisfying when you get a good chop and a split, and it feels really good, and all that, and they were learning this, you know, they're having to go at it and splitting them, and, and then came the whole idea of, oh, no, now we've split them all, we've got to stock them up, pile them up in the garage. And that wasn't so fun. Now I had to carry this wood and you know put them into the put it into the garage. I had this vision of this wall, this garage wall full of firewood, all piled up. I just I could see it, and so I had a greater vision, thinking all this wood, which is a really big pile, for him, for a nine-year-old kid, that's a massive pile. For me, it was just a pile of wood. But I could do it because I had this bigger vision. I could see the end. And so when he, when he started doing it, it didn't take, you know, it was only a few minutes. And he was like, I'm tired, Dad. Can I go inside? I want to play PlayStation. <laughs> you know? Now, I knew if I, if I let him go, I thought, no, I need to teach you something here. It's good for you to be able to get through this work and learn how to work hard. And then we can both go in and play Xbox together. Right? So I said, no, come on, buddy, we can do this. Come on, pal, we can do this. He didn't, I didn't just say to him, pal, get to work and then go inside and, have, and play Xbox. What kind of douche dag would I be if I just made him persevere through it and left him alone in it? But what, I wouldn't be a good dad either if I just said, oh, yeah, you know what, buddy? Yeah, you're right. Give up, go inside and have a good time. And I, and I did all the work. He wouldn't learn anything and he wouldn't grow in any way. I needed my boy to be able to grow strong. And so because I'm his dad and I'm a good dad, I thought this is gonna be okay for you. And so I didn't let him do it himself, I did it with him. And I encouraged him all the time. Come on, power, we can do this. Go on, grab another one, you got this, buddy. Come on, let's go, let's go. Right, and then we piled it up and bit by bit, he saw it happen. He saw the wood going in, up and up. Every time he got tired, I would say, it's okay, pal. We're almost there, we're almost there, we're almost there. And so when the Bible says, so lift up your tired hands in prayer, strengthen those weak knees. As you pick up every day, no matter what you're going through, if you wake up every day and you bring your grief to Him and you bring your depression and you lift up a tired hands, you lift up another piece of wood, another piece of wood every day and just put it on the pile, eventually God's vision will come to pass. And He will have built in you something strong, something beautiful, out of brokenness. Something beautiful. Hey, something. All my confusion He understood. All I had to offer Him was brokenness and strife. But He made something beautiful out of my life. Hey. Man, that's, that's the God. He, he can make something beautiful out of whatever you're going through. You can dream again if you continue to persevere. 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 Let God build faith in your life. Why don't you stand? Why don't you just, just, just do whatever you need to do to connect with God right now. You might have to close your eyes or lift your hands or just whatever you need to do.
But I feel just for a minute I'd like to pray for you to understand that God loves you. That God is saying to you, come on, come on my son, come on my daughter, I, we can do it, you can do it. Let's do it together. I know it's hard, I know you want to go inside, I know it's tough, but we can do this. I have a vision for your life that you can't even see. I have the bigger picture in mind. If you're struggling with things that, you are, that you've been persevering with for a long time and you haven't yet seen the answers, then let's, let's pray. In fact, can I see, if that's you, would you just quickly raise a hand just so I can see who I'm praying for? Yeah, you can put it down again once I said thank you, thank you. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Man, there's a lot of people that are believing for things and you maybe you haven't seen the answers yet, but this is, this is your chance to be able to put more faith into God and His character. So as we pray, just release those things to God and we release them by faith and, and I believe God's going to touch you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. Thank you, Father, you're such a good God. That, Lord, you are a good, good Father. That you will never leave us alone. That you will never take us through trials and leave us to do it ourselves. For the promise of your faithfulness, the promise of your presence. Lord, for each one that has raised a hand, that is now releasing situations to you. Father, I pray that you would let them know the reality and the, of your tangible presence, the reality of your tangible peace. Lord, that they can trust in a God that loves them, that they have hope in your character and your faithfulness and your beauty to them. Lord, that there will come a day that you will answer prayer. And even if we don't see it in this lifetime, there will be an eternity that we stand and live in your love. And so we lift your name now. We, we praise your name by faith, not by feeling. We acknowledge your goodness, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We lift your name. We believe. We believe in you, oh God. 